0: The Happy Writer. This is a podcast that aims to bring readers more books to enjoy and to help authors find more joy in their writing. I am your host, Marissa Meyer. Thank you for joining me. This is going to be our last episode of the year. We're going to take a little bit of a break for the holidays uh, and we'll be back in 2022 after the new year. And we've already got lots of phenomenal authors lined up to talk to. So I'm super excited. Um, but on that note, trying to think of which happy thing to include this week for our last episode, it was really tough because there is just, I love the holidays. You guys know this. I love this season. There are so many things big and small that make me happy this time of year. So I couldn't decide. So I'm going to tell you my top three things that are making me happy this week. Uh, the first is that for the first year ever, we splurged on matching family Christmas pajamas. I have always loved seeing like those really goofy postcard pictures of people in all of their adorable matching pajamas. And we've never done it. And the girls were both wanting new pajamas. So we did it. Thank you, Target. Uh, And they're so cute and cozy. And I just, it's just my favorite thing. I feel like we're in a Hallmark movie. My second happy thing And this is really small, but it it really does bring me like a bizarre amount of joy. So you guys know that I live in Tacoma, Washington, um, and I've lived here my entire life. Well, there is a building in downtown Tacoma. It is the Tacoma Self Storage Building, and it has its name lit up in like huge neon sign up on top of the building. um, And you can see it from the freeway when you're coming into town. Well, this time of year, every year since I was a little girl, they turn off the S so that it reads Tacoma Elf Storage. And I get such a kick out of this. It makes me smile every time I drive by. So whoever had that idea, I think they are genius. All right. The third and final thing, maybe a little bit bigger. I think that hopefully this will make you guys happy, too someone sent me flowers today ooh la la it wasn't my husband it wasn't a secret admirer it was the studio that just bought the rights to the lunar chronicles film uh and they sent me flowers with a lovely little note saying how excited they are to get started on it oh my gosh so fingers crossed that this is a good sign and it might actually happen. I hope, I hope, I hope. So, so much. Oh oh my gosh. I am overflowing. What do they say? My cup overfloweth. Okay, back to just immense amounts of holiday joy. I am, of course, so excited to be talking to today's guest. She holds a degree in history from Ohio State University and is the author of the young adult gothic slash horror novels, The Wood and Remember Me. Her new contemporary series, All I Want for Christmas, comprises four books that are all coming out this season. It kicked off in October with All I Want for Christmas is the Girl Next Door. Please welcome Chelsea Bobolsky. Well, thank you so much for
1: having me, and congratulations on the Lunar Chronicles, like potential film. That's so amazing. I will be right there the day it opens. Like I'm, I'm just praying for you that that all comes to be because
0: that would be incredible. Thank you. It would be incredible. It is such a weird thing because this is now the fourth company that has bought the rights. Um, so it's kind of been a roller coaster the last ten years. You know, someone will buy it and you get all excited and then like nothing ever happens and it never goes anywhere. But this company, they just, they're sending a lot of signals that like they're serious. So mm-hmm. I just, I hope, I hope, I hope it would really just be so cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So thank you for joining me. I am so happy that our final episode of the year is going to be built off of these, this just delightful series of holiday books. I feel like it's very appropriate. Um, before we get into talking about your new series, uh, I would love to know your author origin story. How did you get to this point in your life?
1: Oh my goodness! Well, it could be an extremely long story <laughs> because it took. <laughs> We've you know, got was, time, <laughs> right? Right. Um, well, I mean, I think it's always good to start with the fact that I've always loved storytelling in its many forms. Whether it was, um, you know, from picture books from a very young kid um, to movies, plays. Like if it has a story in it, I am interested, right? Um, and you know, even during elementary school, I was that really annoying kid on the playground where when all my friends just wanted to play like tag or hide and seek, I was like, okay, here's the story. We're pirates and we're on this (laughs) ship and this is what's happening. Like I was that person.
0: I was that Uh, person too.
1: (laughs) Right. I mean, I feel like we're going off to the fairy lagoon now. (laughs) And I feel like that's the best person to be, even though everyone else finds it kind of annoying, but, um, so yeah, so that was me. And, um, but the one thing is, even though I loved books, um, I always kind of put authors on this pedestal of like just feeling like they were, they must have been born like best selling authors, right? Like, cause no one can just do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it wasn't until I was in college, I was actually my last semester at Ohio State, my mother in law very kindly, um, she saw at the Thurber House, which is a very big writing center in Columbus, that there was a young adult author, Lisa Klein, was giving, um, I think it was like a 10 week class or something. And so she very graciously, um, you know, paid for me to go to it because she's like, I know this is something you really want to do. And that was the first time where I realized that, you know, an author starts with just a blank page, just like anybody else. And um, so getting to meet Lisa and kind of talk through her process, I realized, okay, well, if she could do it, then maybe I can do it too. And so that launched my like serious writing phase where I wasn't just writing you know, fan fiction, um, which is fantastic. Like I, I love writing fan fiction. Don't get me wrong, but I was actually like pursuing publication at this point. Um, and so I wrote, um, just to shorten my story, uh, the first four books I wrote, I kept getting closer and closer, um, you know, closer to getting an agent and then closer to getting a book deal. And it just kept not quite happening. There's obviously a lot of rejection in the writing process. Um, and honestly, by the fourth book, which was a steampunk romance, young adult steampunk romance. And I'm so hopeful someday I might be able to go back and like polish it up and get it out there. Cause I just loved it so much. Um, it got very, very close, but I was kind of at a point where let's see it had been about four years and four books. And I just felt like, um, it wasn't going to happen. And I was <laughs> approaching 25, which, you know, for some reason, 25 hits you. It's, it's not old, but it hits you like Half of my twenties is over. And I feel like I haven't accomplished this big thing that I want to accomplish. I, you know, I've ruined my life. I've been going after this goal when I should have been in law school, like my dad wanted me to be. Um, And so uh, the fourth book, I decided, okay, we're going to shelve that. We're not going to keep going. And I was like actively researching law schools and trying to figure out how to get my life back on track. When um, Winter, who's the main character of my first novel, The Wood, started speaking to me and she basically just wouldn't shut up until I started writing her story. Um, and so I I just sat down and free wrote whatever she was telling me and doing this thinking, OK, if I just get this out of the way, I can go back to researching law schools. right? <laughs> um, but Winter just kept talking and I got about 50 pages in. And I thought to myself, okay, well, this is obviously actually going to be a book. So um, I should probably plot it out at this point and figure out what's going to happen. And um, that was the book uh, that ended up getting me, uh, my agent that I have currently, and my first book deal. And the amazing thing about that book is that those first 50 pages, other than I think like one scene that I added in there later, are completely unchanged from those first like free writing sessions where she was just telling me her story. Um, So that's pretty incredible. But, uh, yeah, so that book got published and then I had my second book, remember me both through file and friends and McMillan. And, um, but That's I don't, my
0: publisher yes. <laughs> we were um, publishing sisters there for a little while.
1: Yes. Yes. And I love them so much. They are so wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just so thankful that they wanted, you know, to publish my books, Um, but yeah, and I don't want to like, I'm saying it really quickly because it would be very long to tell the whole agonizing story of rejection after rejection. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't want anybody to hear this and think, oh, like it's not that big of a deal. It was breezy. And no, like I literally thought I ruined my life by trying to become (laughs) an author. Um, and so it is, it's a long arduous process, but, um, you know, I was very blessed to get those two books with file and friends. And then, um, and then now these four books with Wise Wolf Books, these Christmas stories, which I am so excited to be sharing with everybody.
0: So I am really curious. So obviously a lot of people who listen to this podcast are either in the, the stage where they're getting ready to start querying their first novel or they're in the midst of querying. Um, and you mentioned that with your first four books, you could tell that you were getting closer and closer Yes. Like what were some of those signs that you were getting? Cause obviously you, they didn't sell, you didn't get a book, book deal, but how did you know that you were getting closer with those?
1: Yeah. So, um, book one, I remember it got like four full request requests out of, I don't know how many agent letters I'm going to send out. Like i must send out, um, like 30 or 40 query letters to agents. And I was like, Oh, we got four full requests. That's amazing. I'm doing great. And I think,
0: the thing is and for the record, okay, any full request is great. <laughs> it, is. it is. No, don't
1: get me wrong. I'm saying that within the framework of realizing now that my book was not very good at the time. Right. 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 <laughs> right. Um, and so, um, yeah, so I was really excited about that book, but it took the rejections and it took, um, continuing to write the next books to realize, okay, every writer from the beginning comes to the page with, um, specific strengths that are just inherent in them, right? Like my strengths happen to be dialogue and tension and pacing. Um, but I couldn't write a plot that didn't have a plot hole in it to save my life. And they were giant plot holes. Like it was just, none of my plot threads made sense. Um, characters just did things cause it was convenient for me that they did them, not because it actually like did anything for the story. Mm. And, um, so the first two books, um, a lot of it feels almost intuitive, even though you're, um, you know, I was reading a lot of, uh, books on the craft of writing the anatomy of story is one of my favorites. Um, and I was also just reading a lot of, uh, young adult cause I knew that's what I wanted to write. And so between reading published books, reading books on craft, and then working on my own books, you kind of intuitively start to pick up on where you need to like there's certain weaknesses you have that you need to work on. Um, and so I queried book one and book two. Book two didn't get much traction at all. And by book three, um, I don't know. I, I think some people are kind of shocked to hear that I actually never even queried that one because I realized even though I completed it and I polished it up, I was like, it's still not there. I'm getting closer, but it's still not the best I can do. And just everything from like the story concept on, I knew it wasn't something that I wanted to try to salvage. It was more something I had to write for me mm. uh, as practice. And so then, um, and then by book four, I knew book four was different just because I could tell I was getting stronger in the areas um, that used to be weaker areas for me. And I got my first agent with book four and then, um, you know, got really close to, you know, that amazing call for publishing, but it just didn't quite get there.
0: Yeah. Well, I I like that you mentioned that you had one that you never actually tried to publish at all, um, because I know I remember, you know, writing multiple novels and and attempting to finish a novel for like a decade before I had the idea for Cinder, and how I was just like constantly frustrated at nothing ever going anywhere, Mm
1: -hmm. Um,
0: and of course, in hindsight, you're like, oh, they were my practice novels, (laughs) but it's so hard when you're in it and having the stream of publication to be like, oh, this is my practice novel. Like, no, you're just ready to, to get onto the next step. Um, but ultimately you need to have practice novels. You know, it's the very rare author that writes and sells their first book.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I think about that all the time when I have writers approach me and, you know, are just talking about how agonizing the rejections are. And it is, it is, you know, you get thick skin after a while, but even the thickest skin, it's still, it still is not the most fun process. No, Um, it's hard. It is hard. Yeah. And it's hard because they're often asking, you know, what more can I do? And, and for some people, um, Like uh, I tell them about the book, The Help, you know, this international bestseller, she worked on that, um, Catherine Stockett, and she worked on it for five years, the same book, and she got it to the place where, um, you know, it was going to be published and be this amazing book. Um, But she really believed in it and she recognized it was a story that um, people would enjoy. But there's also, you also need to recognize if it's a story that from the concept up is just not quite strong enough. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, it's figuring out when to step back and go back to the drawing board and think of a different story. And so that can be very painful as well um, to have to make that decision. But sometimes it is very necessary.
0: Yeah. And sometimes you simply can't tell that until you've written it. Yes. It's not always clear on page one. Yes, absolutely. Okay, with that, let's talk about your new series, four books, All I Want for Christmas. Would you please tell listeners about this series? Yes. Um, so I, I just, I love um,
1: the fact that, so I got the book deal for the series in August, 2020. Um, so I had worked on book one, All I Want for Christmas is the Girl Next Door, um, that one, I actually started writing in the margins of my days, um, between writing the wood and remember me, it was just kind of the side fun project I had. And then, you know, I had uh, babies and uh, it just kept getting pushed to the side. And so finally in the spring of, um, 2020, uh, with my little, you know, five, six month old baby, uh, just right here in my lap, I decided to finish it because it was about 40,000 words in. And I just, because of, 2020. I really wanted to lose myself in a Christmas world, and so my intention with the books was it was just going to be the one book. Um, and it's, uh, but then I was very excited that Wise Wolf wanted to do an entire series. Um, but book one, "All I Want for Christmas Is the Girl Next Door," is about um, Graham Wallace. He is a high school student who's been in love with the girl next door, Sarah Clark, um, for about ten years now. But the problem is, is that Sarah is dating his best friend, Jeremy, and they've been dating for about two years. And, you know, Graham is the typical high school student. Like we all were where when two people start dating, you kind of think to yourself, okay, they're only going to date for a couple of weeks, like, and then they'll break up and it's not going to be that big of a deal. So in his head, when Jeremy and Sarah started dating, even though he was in love with Sarah, He thought, okay, they're, they're going to date for like a month tops. And then I'll wait the respectable amount of time, make sure Jeremy's okay with it. And then I can swoop in, right. (laughs) And like declare my love, um, for this amazing girl, but that just didn't happen. And so, um, one night in just a fit of desperation, Graham looks up at the sky and sees a shooting star and he thinks to himself, all I want for Christmas is Sarah Clark. And, uh, when he wakes up the next morning, the whole world has changed so that he's the one who's been dating her for two years and not his best friend, Jeremy. Um, And, you know, at first he thinks this is amazing. His wish has been granted, but like he starts to feel a little guilty because he realizes that like people have changed a bit from this. Um, It's got a little bit of a, it's a wonderful life vibes where Jeremy is a little bit different and Sarah's a little bit different just because Graham's the one who's been dating her. And then, so in the midst of him realizing that, things aren't as wonderful as he thought they would be. Uh, He's starting to fall for the new girl in town, which just racks him with even more guilt because he's thinking to himself, this wish wouldn't have come true if I wasn't supposed to be with Sarah, right? Like, so why am I thinking about this other girl? And so it's a book that really just, Um, wanted wanted to address the theme of the grass is not always greener on the other side and and not recognizing the blessings that are actually right in front of you because you're so focused on what you think would be better for you. Um, And so that was really fun to write. And again, just to lose myself in this Christmas world, it takes place in the uh, small town, fictional town of Christmas, Virginia. And all four books take place there or are connected to there in some way. And each book centers on a different... A romantic couple, but all the couples are connected um, as friends or, you know, different ways they're connected so that throughout the books, you can continue to see how like your favorite romantic couple from book one is still doing in book four, mm-hmm. which I really love. Cause I love to be able to, you know, when I finish a book and I fall in love with these characters, I don't want it to be over. Like, I hate that. I can't just read about their, you know, college experience and getting married and whatever else happens in their lives. Um, so I wanted to be able to show, um, th- that readers could be able to go and uh, see what happened to those characters later on as well.
0: Yeah. I always love a, a series of companion novels where you can, you know, you get a happy ending at the end of each one. Like you don't have to agonize for months or years, like what's going to happen next. There's no cliffhanger but you get to keep coming back and checking in on people and you feel familiar. Like, Oh, I remember this town. I remember this store. I know where, you know, it's just uh, something very comforting about series like this. Absolutely. Yeah. And my,
1: the thing that I love too about them is that each book has its own kind of fun thing. So book two, all I want for Christmas is the girl in charge. Um, The main couple is uh, Beckett and Evelyn, and they're putting on a pride and prejudice Christmas play at their school. And um, so that was really fun because even though it wasn't really intentional, Beckett and Evelyn totally mirrored Darcy and Elizabeth in the way that they like um, interact and uh, their banter and everything. And so it's it's kind of a reflection of a Pride and Prejudice in a, in a modern way and in a Christmassy way. Um, so that was really fun. And then book three, All I Want for Christmas is the Boy I Can't Have. Uh, the main couple, August and Isla, fall for each other um, via like talking late at night because neither one of them can sleep. They're watching these classic romantic comedies and like dissecting them and uh, debating on their different favorite parts and stuff. And so I got to um, throw in my love of romantic comedies into that book. Um, So that was really fun. And then book four, all I want for Christmas is the girl who can't love Uh, the main couple is Savannah and Jordan. And that was, um, the hardest book to write of all four, because Savannah is, it was a very stubborn character because she does not believe in love as, um, this great, like magical force. Like she is a very scientific person and believes it's just biological impulses. If, if science can explain it, then it doesn't have to have any control over me. Right. And of course Jordan wants to prove her wrong. And so that was a really fun relationship to write because, um, she was so stubborn and set in her ways and, even through writing it, I was like, "Am I ever going to convince her that love is a real?" Thing? Uh, so each one has its own little twist, and that was really fun to explore. Yeah, well, it is
0: one of. My, I haven't read the fourth one yet. Actually, the fourth one's not out yet, is it? No, it comes out December twenty second, so it's the only okay. one that's
1: not out yet. Okay, mm-hmm. and
0: I read the first two, but I do. I love just the trope of having to melt that cold, cold heart. <laughs> you must see yeah. the ray of, you know, love and the Christmas spirit. Who doesn't love that? Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. And also I was just so excited when I started into book two, because I don't usually read blurbs or um, like jacket copy always going into a book. A lot of times I just go into it blind. And so when I realized, oh my gosh, there's a pride and prejudice element, I was so (laughs) excited because it is of course like my favorite
1: Oh yes, I know. I loved it so much. It was so much fun to um to play on all of those um, you know, the witty banter that I could include yes. because we we're doing that dialogue on stage and how it's reflecting their own relationship.
0: Yes, and the misunderstandings and the, you know, kind of broody, sulky hero and all of it. Yes. Okay, so you start writing this first book, um, Girl Next Door, and you said it sells in. August of 2020, which was not all that long ago. How did you go from having one book selling in August to having four books coming out all in the span of two months? Yes. Yeah. So,
1: um, it was really an incredible process. So I should say that, um, for me, uh, this, the spiritual side and faithful, uh, side of my life really, um, goes into every part of my life, including my career. And, Um, right when like January, 2020, um, I remember I was just kind of meditating on my career and what would come next because, um, you know, I just had my son, my little boy, um, in August of 2019 and actually a quick sidetrack. That's really just an incredible thing to mention is that, um, my earlier on when I was trying to get my first book deal, um, my husband and I were also hoping to start our family. And so I had two years there. This was also why I just felt like things were, terribly dark was because while I was getting all these rejection letters, I was also getting negative pregnancy tests after negative pregnancy tests mm-hmm. for about two years. And um just didn't think that either one of my dreams would come true. So I didn't mm-hmm. think I would become a writer or a mommy. And so that was a very difficult time. And um at that time I prayed and I was like, God please like I I just don't know what to do. And I just felt him say like hold on a little longer, just hold on a little longer. And six weeks after that, I got my first book deal. And then that fall, which was like four or five months later, I um, got pregnant with my first child. And then my, my second child and my second book came out on the exact same day. My, my boy was born the same day. Remember me released out into the world. And it felt like this perfect bow of like a prayer answered. Um, so that was amazing. So then again, so fast forward to January, 2020, I'm just kind of meditating on my career and I felt God speak to my heart, the word unleash as like my word for the year. Which I didn't know what that meant. I'm like, I have this little baby, like I don't even know when I'll find time to write, but okay, unleash. Like I like it. Sounds
0: <laughs> okay, good. Challenge um, accepted. <laughs> yes.
1: And so I'm like making all these plans, right? As we were all doing in January of 2020. And then <laughs> and then COVID hit. And so um, you know, the You're world, like,
0: God, could you down. not have given me a little bit of a heads up here? <laughs>
1: right, right, right. So so the world shuts down. I am obviously, you know, have no time to write. Um, because, you know, we also have a, a, had a three-year-old at the time. Um, you know, you don't have any help because everyone's scared to be around each other. Um, and reasonably so. And so I just thought, okay, well, I don't know what unleash means, but I, I don't think it's happening anytime soon. And then, um, you know, we got to August and it was one of those things where, um, wise wolf books, uh, which is an imprint of Wolfpack publishing. Um, it's, a new young adult imprint imprint under a larger publishing umbrella. Um, They were looking for books. And my friend Nova McBee was their first author that they signed. And I just happened to be talking to her about this Christmas series. And she's like, I think that they would really like this. And so I said, okay. So I sent it, um, you know, hoping that they would want book one. And they got back to me and said, "Um, well, you know, we, we really love book one and we want to publish it, but we're very interested in, publishing series because, um, they really understand that readers, um, when they fall in love with a book series, you know, just like you want to binge your favorite Netflix show. If you can binge the series, like that's just the, um, the best situation possible. And, um, I totally understand that because as a reader, I love to come into a book series when the series is already complete. Right. Cause I can just read through mm-hmm. the whole series to. Now I have to wait a year for the next book. And so they said, you know, do you have any more, ideas. And at the time I did not <laughs> for a series, but I said, I will try to get you some. And I sat down and I prayed and I just I had this like rush of ideas for three more books. And actually it started with just two, but for some reason I felt like I wanted to show them that I could come up at least with a summary for another book, just to show them I had that um, ability in that range, not expecting them to be like, yeah, we'll publish all
0: four. <laughs> um,
1: Also, could you have
0: them turned into us in three weeks?
1: Right, right. So, so we'll get
0: to that part, but okay, keep going.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, they did. They said they loved all four books. And um, at first, they said we would love to publish all four next fall and leading up to Christmas. But they're like, but if you don't think you can do that, then we could always do, you know, books two, one through three, and then do book four the following year. And so I talked to my husband about it. And at this time, the previous month, my mother-in-law had just started being able to help with the kids. So I could get a little writing time here and there. Um, And so I was like, I don't know, I think I might be able to do it. And so he was like, go for it. So, so I did, I said, okay, well, I think I can write books two through four. Cause you know, at this point, book one was written. It's like, I think I can do it in a year. And, um, again, by the grace of God and through a lot of prayer, (laughs) somehow managed to do it, but it was a lot. So book two, I wrote um, September through December. And I actually didn't even get to write for about four weeks in there because we had um, somebody that we had just seen had tested positive for COVID and we didn't get it at that time. Um, But we didn't want my mother-in-law to come around us just in case. So she stayed away for two weeks. She came up for a couple of days uh, that, you know, the next week. And then the week after that, I had to call her and say, well, my husband has COVID now, so Mm. you can't come up again. So, um, so we had, you know, there's a lot of time in there where I didn't get to write. And so it was really amazing that book two really came together in about three months.
0: Mm -hmm, Yeah. (laughs) Um,
1: And then book three, funnily enough is, was my most fun to write. And I wrote the fastest But it's, it took the longest because as I was writing book three, I was starting to get like copy edits for book one Mm -hmm. and then copy edits for book two and having to kind of juggle. And so book three, I wrote between January and May. Um, And again, there were a couple weeks there where uh, just for life reasons, my mother-in-law couldn't come. So it wasn't like every week I was able to write either. And it was only, you know, three days a week when she would come up. And so it was so it was a lot um, to just try to, to buckle down and write. And then book four, my most stubborn book and the, the longest book of the series, um, you know, they're all relatively shorter because they're romantic comedies and they're kind of meant to be breezy. So this one, book four was only 67,000 words, but it was still the longest of the books. I only had, um, you know, June, July and August to write and polish and get submitted. And so that one took the most prayer. And I took so many walks, um, where I was just so frustrated (laughs) and I just had to go walk, walk it off and come Mm. back to the keyboard. Um, but yeah, so, so by the grace of God, they got written in a year.
0: (laughs) Well, that is a dizzying amount of work in a very short period of time. Um, and I mean just, just I'm just gonna pause and say kudos. Well done. I mean, it's oh, super impressive. Um, and I can only imagine how much stress you were under for that entire year.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was um I didn't feel it as much with book two because I felt like I have a whole year in front of yeah. me. <laughs> even three, I was like, okay, I'm still, I'm still good. You know, it's January. And then, like I said, like I got to end of May and I was finally, finally finishing book three up and went, well, now I don't have a whole lot of time. So book four was the most stressful for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I know. And I am, so for me, like my most stressful book of all time was Renegades, um, which just because I had like gone through so many drafts that didn't work out, I ended up like having to attempt to write it all in like four months. Um, mm-hmm. and just the way deadlines were, were shifting around and getting pushed back. Um, and that was like 150,000 word book. Oh and so goodness. I was like, oh I, and, but that was like four months. And I was like, okay, now I get to catch my breath. And like, I had some wiggle room before book two was done. So, I mean, I feel like having, you've pretty much had a year of that.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So by the end of August, when I finally submitted, um, book for, I definitely needed a bit of a break. I just yes. I didn't even want to think about writing at all for a while. And then about a month later, I was starting to get ideas for more um, of okay. so us writers, we just can't stop it, right? We
0: can't <laughs> stop. No, it's true. I always am like, okay, I'm gonna turn this book in and then take, you know, two months off and just like read and relax. And like as soon as I hit send, I'm like, ooh, what's this shiny new project?
1: Exactly. And I will say the nice thing about these books is because they are all connected um, with the same small town and they're all friends. Like it was easy to stay in the groove of what was happening. Cause it wasn't mm-hmm. like I was shifting to a whole new like setting and all new characters. So that did help a lot. But, um, but yeah, I just, I didn't realize when God said
0: unleash. <laughs> that <what> God said. <laughs> uh, are you excited to hear what the word is for 2022? <laughs>
1: Yeah. I don't even know what to expect. I I will have to ponder that. (laughs) Relax.
0: Take a breather, Chelsea. No. um, Okay. So we've got these four books they've sold. You've submitted, uh, you know, different um, summaries to your publisher. You've been given the green light. Mm -hmm. Um, How much planning did you do into each book in the series? Like, would you outline and then write one and then outline and then write one. Did you outline them all up front? Did you not outline at all? Like what was your process there?
1: Yeah, so I had the summaries. They're like one page summaries of each book that I had sent to my um editor to work off of. And um you know I will say that process can change from book to book. So um I've had books in the past where I've outlined a bit more. Um, but typically speaking I tend to be this weird hybrid outliner Panzer. where, um, I, so the thing I didn't realize was, um, before I met other writers is that everyone also has a different way of like thinking about their books. And for me, I'm very visual. So for me, the scenes will play out in my head, like a movie that I watch. And then I write down what I'm seeing. And so typically when I'm plotting a book, I will have that like overall summary of knowing like the beginning and the ending and maybe a couple points in the middle that I know I have to hit to get to the ending, but I don't like to outline the whole thing because this it's this weird thing for me where the magic is just lost because I know what's going to happen. And my brain goes, oh, you don't have to write it because it's written in this like 10 page document, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and I have a friend who is an amazing outliner who, who will do like a 96 page outline and still have the magic to then go and write the book after that. So I think that's incredible, but it's just not the way my brain works. And, um, so I had that summary and what I would do is I would play in my head, like the first five chapters or so like what, what would end up being the first five chapters, those scenes. And once I got those scenes down of, okay, this is how it's going to play out. Then I would write that down, and then once I got to the end of that, then I would start the process all over again. I would say, like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. And it, again, a lot of walking. First, I would walk, and I'd put my headphones on and listen to Christmas music, <laughs> and just try and let the scenes play out in my head of what would happen next. And then, so I would go, you know, maybe another five to ten thousand words um, in my in my book uh, through these scenes, and then I would stop again and 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 try and figure it out again. And so it just kind of it works for me. Um, I don't know that it would work for everybody, but that's how I did all of these books. And I think that's where, um, the frustrating part came in with book four is because, um, Savannah was such a stubborn character. I just wasn't seeing the scenes. I could get to a point where I'd be like, okay, what happens next? And just nothing. She wouldn't tell me
0: a thing. So yeah. How much were you like dipping in between? Because, you know, we meet, at least by book two, we've met all of the main characters. I can't recall if we met all of them in in book one. Um, but you're definitely like, you're laying the groundwork for what is to come. How much were you like, were you halfway through writing book three and then you're like, Oh, I am going to go back into book two and add this little tidbit. Or were you like, okay, this book is done, send it off, move on to the next.
1: Yeah, so I didn't have that happen as much with book three, because even though they're connected, um, because the way they they play out is for books one, two, and three, they're all happening different Christmases. So it's not Mm -hmm. like I had to keep track of like, okay, what's happening with this character in this book um, that I have to remember for the next book? But books three and four. (laughs) by the way.
0: That's a great tip for anyone who wants to do this. Don't have overlapping timelines. Yes
1: because that's what I did with books three and four. And it was not good. It was not pretty. That was the other thing that was difficult. Um, because, but I had to, because the way that their, what their ages were for each book, if I didn't have book three and book four happen at the same time, my book four character Savannah was going to be a sophomore in college. And that's kind of pushing the young adult. So she is a freshman in college in book four, but I felt like that was still kind of okay. Like within the realm Mm -hmm. of the young adult, um, genre. And So I didn't want to push her too far. So I knew, okay, like book three and book four have to happen at the same time. But because um, Savannah is at college, they don't intersect a lot, or at least I didn't think they did. (laughs) Um, So I was like, okay, I've got this. It's fine. And then I, again, by the grace of God, was copy editing book three while writing book four. And that allowed me to realize, oh, the college campus is only 20 minutes away from Christmas Virginia. And yet the weather is completely different. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's a blizzard over here and a torrential like downpour over here, or like it's sixty degrees here and thirty degrees there. Like that's not working. <laughs> huh. So that was really tough to try and keep the weather consistent, especially because the weather actually does play um, really. It plays very uh, big role in book four and a little bit in book three. Like book three, um, I don't think I mentioned that uh, Isla works for her mother's um, wedding planning company in book three, and so. I knew that by the end of the book, this wedding that they're planning, um, which is their first million dollar wedding from this high society bride. And of course, Isla falls in love with the bride's brother. Uh, He's the boy she can't have uh, for several reasons Um, that, you know, as I was writing, I was like, no, they're I'm I'm hoping for the happily ever after between them. Right. You know, they're two completely different characters. But um, anyway, by the end of book three, I knew I wanted to have this beautiful snowy Christmas wedding. And um, I wrote it out and I was like, oh, this is wonderful. This is breathtaking snow. I love it. And then book four, I have this like flood basically (laughs) (laughs) around the same time. And I went, well, that's not good. Um, So yeah. So I don't recommend if you can avoid it, please do not do that. And I don't think I'll ever do it again.
0: So do you have like, um, like how much organize, organizing are you doing as far as keeping track of timeline or like keeping track of the town and where things are located and what things are called? And like, do you have a, a story Bible, so to speak that you use or. I really should. Um. You know, I've asked this question about story Bibles to, to guess in the past. And I think that's always the answer. Oh, a story Bible. That would have been a good idea. Yes.
1: Yes. So I've tried story Bibles in the past and the, the problem is I, I tend to forget to reference them even yeah. if I have them, um, but I will say, so. Timeline is the thing that my copy editor was always checking. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like the timeline here doesn't make sense. I go, you're right. Let's fix that. Um, but as far as the town goes, um, that's a little easier because again, it's just this visual scene I have in my head where I can just see it, so I don't really need to write it down. Now, having said that, I'm sure I'm going to have a reader be like, "Actually, you've named this store this in this book and this store that," and I'll go, "Okay, maybe I should write it down." But mm-hmm. in my head, at least, I can see it and. Um, and so for that reason, I I just didn't feel the need to write it down. But timeline is, yeah, that's the big issue.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, even in writing a, a consecutive series, you know, multi-book series, but you don't have different storylines and crisscrossing. But even then, timeline is something that I'm constantly struggling with. Like, yeah. Okay. Did this happen two weeks ago? Was it a month ago? What right. was the moon and, cycle? Like, you know, yeah. Right. What was the and, weather? And, does it really matter and how many readers are really paying attention? I don't know. Thank goodness the copy editors are paying attention. Yes, right. Exactly. Um. So I want to know, like, in your opinion, doing it this way, like having four books coming out so close together, what I, we've definitely, I think, heard some of the cons, you know, it just sounds like a ton of work and a lot of stress involved. Um, but what are some of the pros, like, why did your publisher want to do it this way? And are there any like great benefits for you creatively or, or, or career wise of doing this way?
1: Yeah. Um, well, as I said, they realize that readers really love to binge series. And so the whole thing that they're striving for is they want to be able to put out, um, quality books quickly, right? They don't want to sacrifice the quality, but, um, if you as a writer are able to write quickly. that, um, I mean, that's really what they're looking for because they kind of want to fill that gap. And it's, it's something that, um, indie authors have been doing very well for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really serve their, um, audiences, uh, you know, it's in a great way with that because their audiences do just want the next book. Right. And so indie authors have been able to do that. And so basically what wise wolf books wanted to do was take that model and approach it from a traditional publishing standpoint. And so, um, So I was really excited excited to do that as well, because um, I knew before I had kids that I was a quick writer, (laughs) but I also had like so much time (laughs) to write. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, once you have kids or other responsibilities, you know, if you are a student or you have a full-time job or you're caring for elderly parents or whatever the case may be, um, your time is really constricted. And so, again, I, I didn't know if I hadn't had my mother-in-law's help, I would not have been able to do it. Um, but talking to my husband, I was like, okay, I think it's been a while since I've written this fast, but I think I could do it again. And, um, praise God, I, it came, you know, it all came together. Um, but yeah, so the, the pros of it, as I said, are like just getting to stay in that world. It actually did make the writing a lot easier. And it was just so fun again, to be in a Christmas world in the middle of COVID because so much was going so wrong in the mm. world and to be able to retreat. Um, was really wonderful. But, and I also just, um, from a, you know, more of a business standpoint, uh, one of the pros marketing wise is it does give you something to talk about for about, you know, four months. Cause you have the lead up to book one. And then you had, you know, I had book two coming out. Uh, I think book two came out two weeks after book one and then books three and four, uh, you know, book three came out three weeks later and book four is coming out three weeks after book mm-hmm. three. I don't know if I said that correctly
0: but <laughs> <laughs> something like that <laughs>
1: something like that where so I I constantly have something to talk about which can sometimes be hard when you're trying to market a book especially um when the book has been out for a while like there's all this um fanfare and everything around the book's launch but like a month or two later it can be hard to figure out how do I keep reminding people that this book is out there when other books are coming out so the fact that Um, these books were rapid releasing allowed me the opportunity to keep reminding people like, and if you forgot, this is book three of a series um, and books one and two are available. Um, So that's been a really wonderful benefit as well.
0: Yeah. No, I, I appreciate the efficiency of that. I feel like promoting is kind of seen as for so many of us, this thing that like we have to do, but we don't really want to do. Like we'd rather be, you know, locked up in our rooms writing the next book. Um, but you have to promote, you have to do the marketing aspect. And I kind of like that. Okay. I've got these four books and we're just gonna have this like really hard, you know, two, three, four month push of promotion. Yeah, And then maybe I can go back to writing as opposed to like scattering it out throughout the year. Absolutely. And I will say
1: that, um, you know, for those writers who, you know, have other responsibilities and don't have all the time in the world, like Um, I have tried to take the approach because people have asked me, right. Like, what all are you doing with marketing? Because there's so much you could be doing. Right. Hmm. Um, But I've recognized, like, I don't want to get swallowed up by all of the possible things I could be doing because I just can't, um, I can't be the best mom or wife or daughter or friend. Um, if I'm just consumed by constantly posting to all the different social media platforms and sending out all the newsletters and doing, you know, just all the things. And so I really tried to buckle down and think, okay, I know, um, I really love Instagram for some reason that just works with the way my brain works. And I do a little bit on Facebook as well. And I have a street team on Facebook that I love to interact with. Um, and I know I should be doing a newsletter, but I just could not find the time, uh, with kids. So, so the newsletter will come again someday. I used to have it and it will come back again. Um, uh, but then just doing podcasts, um, like this one, they're just like, I knew, okay, I can do that. Those are so much fun. And especially like, I was so excited to be on your podcast because I love listening to it. And so, um, that's the biggest thing is I'm not trying to do it all. Cause I just don't want to be burnt out at the end. I want to um, hopefully, once the holidays are over, I can maybe find those pockets of time again to work on the next book. And I, I don't want to come out of this just totally stressed and never wanting to look at social media again or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. It, I really think it's important for people to pick and choose the the types of promotion that they can at least get a little bit of joy out of. Um, Like I'm like you, I love Instagram, but I don't want to be on Twitter. I don't want to be on Facebook. So it's mm-hmm. like the the I'll cross post, you know, or sometimes my publisher has some, you know, giveaway or sweepstakes. Okay. I'll tweet about that, but I'm not like on Twitter um, or on Facebook because I just learned that it's just such a, a drag for me. Like it just sucks out my energy. And I just realized like, this is not good for me. Um, so yeah, finding the ones, whereas like, I love doing podcasts. Obviously I enjoy producing this one. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, I think that there is a temptation to try to do it all, but realizing your limits is is really important.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you have to be a a whole person, right? Like you can't just get uh swallowed up by all the things that you could be doing.
0: Yeah, yeah, because it will never end.
1: There's always more that you could be doing. Yes, and that's just not good for anybody's mental health to be yeah. that
0: stressed. <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. Um so, no, I, I, I tell people, like, try a few different things, like, you know, test mm-hmm. out vlogging, test out TikTok, like, you know, and then whatever one seems the most fun and you feel like you can squeeze this into your day to day life without it totally consuming you, then do that. Yes,
1: absolutely. I'd rather do one or two things well than do a million things terribly.
0: Yes. Yes. That's a, a perfect way of summarizing that. Um, okay. My last question for you, before we move on to our lightning round, you wrote and published four books in a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Would you do it again? I don't know that
1: I would do four again, at least not until my kids are grown and maybe have a little more time on my hands, assuming that I will have more time on my hands at some point. Um, but I might do like, you know, two again, or, or maybe even three if somehow, that works out. But I don't, I don't know that I would do this many again, just because um, that time crunch really did at the end. It was, it was really tough, but it was overall like just the most enjoyable experience. And so maybe instead of writing, you know, three books in a year, which is what I did with books two through four, maybe it'd be like three books in 18 months instead. Maybe if I just had that little extra time, you know?
0: Yeah. No, that's a perfectly reasonable answer. I like you point out that like I assume that someday my kids will be grown and I'll have more time on my hands. I make that assumption regularly myself. Right. (laughs) (laughs) There will come a time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Are you ready for our bonus round? I hope so. (laughs) Peppermint or
1: gingerbread? Oh, gingerbread. Christmas tree, real or artificial? I love the idea of real, but we do have an artificial because it's just easier at this point in our
0: lives. <laughs> what is your favorite thing to do when it snows?
1: Uh, probably drink hot chocolate and stay inside and read a book and look at it. Like it'd be in
0: the warmth of the home <laughs> and look out at the pretty snow. Mine too. I'm always like, Marissa, go outside, build a snowman, go snowshoeing. But all I really want to do is sit and stare at it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What are you
1: hoping to find in your stocking this year? Oh, goodness. That is a good question. Um, I mean, probably just some like, I want somebody to put in there like a card that says, all you have to do right now is go and watch your favorite show for like five hours and nobody's going to need you and everything's (laughs)
0: just fine. (laughs) I relate to that so much. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> my husband's been trying to ask me like, what do you want for Christmas? What can I get you? And I'm like, all I want is time. <laughs> and all yeah. I want is to just like have a day off where I just, nobody needs me for anything. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> How do you fill the creative? Well, Um,
1: I think good books and good movies, good shows, um, and, and being outside, as I said, I like to walk a lot when I'm plotting, or even if I'm just in between books and just waiting for inspiration, I feel like walking out in nature, um, in general is just very um, refreshing.
0: What is your personal mantra?
1: Oh gosh. I don't know if I really have one, I guess. Um, I mean, I just really do try to seek God in all things, and I I ask Him to lead me, and I will just follow wherever He wants me to go. What book makes you happy? Oh, so many! My goodness. I mean, the Lunar Chronicles, obviously. Um, <laughs> obviously, and <laughs> I'm actually currently reading um, Instant Karma because I wanted to, um, I wanted to read it when it came out. And I feel like it came out either right when my son was born. There's some reason, like I couldn't read it at the time and I'm loving it. It actually is making me extremely happy. <laughs>
0: oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you. I felt yeah. like there was a lot of um, crossover between Prudence and Evelyn.
1: Yes. Yes, There is, there's a lot of crossover, but I just love Quint. Um, I just love the way that he's like, I'm, I'm about halfway through and I just love the way that his like easygoing ways are kind of like, you know, bringing her around little by little. And of course his love for sea animals and like just his heart. I mean, that's so where I am too. Right? Like I've always been an animal lover and I'm like, who he's the guy for you? But of course I haven't finished it yet. So we'll see what
0: happens. Well, <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm so glad that you're enjoying it. Mm-hmm. What are you working on next? So I do
1: have an idea for Christmas Book Five. You know, all I want for Christmas. Oh, book fun! Yes, I have an idea for it. I haven't had the time yet to sit down and really flesh it out and write it. Um, but the thing I'm most excited about is if it works out, <laughs> um, it could be a bridge into another series. Um, and so I'm kind of that's just kind of percolating in the back of my brain. Um, but then I also have, you know, as we said, writers are constantly getting ideas for many things. Like I have ideas for picture books and middle grades and like some women's fiction that are just kind of hovering in the background. So we'll see if those, um, come to the forefront anytime soon. Lastly, where can people find you? Um as I said I'm mostly on Instagram like that's probably where I'm going to check like messages and stuff most frequently as well so uh, at Instagram I'm just uh, at Chelsea Bobalski C H uh, E L S E A b-o-b-u-l-s-k-i um, and it's the same thing on facebook uh, you know facebook author page and then there's also my street team which is uh, chelsea's cozy careers um a joyful and encouraging book community i think is the full <laughs> title um where if, if you're interested you can join there and get some more of the behind the scenes info of what's going on in my career um and then I also have a website, Um, But yeah, I would say Instagram is your best bet because I can't tell you how many times I will not realize I have a Facebook message until about six months later and I feel terrible about it. Yeah. I've officially
0: stopped checking Facebook. I'm like, yeah. you're just gonna have to find me somewhere else. Right.
1: <laughs> awesome. Chelsea, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure
0: and delight. And I'm wishing you a very happy holiday season. Thank you, you too. Readers, be sure to check out the All I Want for Christmas Quartet. The first three books are out now, and the fourth will be coming out on December 22nd. uh, And I'm pretty sure it is currently available for pre-order. Yes, it is available for pre-order. Awesome. Of course, we always encourage you to support your local indie bookstore if you can. If you don't have a local indie, you can check out our affiliate store at bookshop.org slash shop slash Marissa Meyer. And with that, I am wishing you all a very joyful, happy holiday season. We will be back in the new year with lots more amazing author guests. Before then, I hope that you will subscribe and please follow us on Instagram at Marissa Meyer Author and at Happy Writer Podcast. Until next time, stay healthy, stay cozy, and whatever life throws at you today, I do hope that now you're feeling a little bit happier.